So, uh, yeah, today we're going to um, uh, get into what I'm calling the hero's journey, an audience of one. And uh, so two weeks ago, I left off with the story of Esther, and I kind of left you with a cliffhanger. And then we were going through the heroes of faith, and I said, look, our sermon series of the heroes of faith from Hebrews chapter 10 or 11, chapter 10, chapter 10, I believe, uh, is, is, is finished. And I said, now the last hero of faith is you. For you to go out and to be the hero of faith, to live a life that is worthy of the calling on your life, and live a life that is calling to be written about in, 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 in the eternal books, if you will. Last Sunday, we had our guest uh, here, Missy Edwards, who just did a phenomenal job in worship, phenomenal job in teaching the Word. And she was discussing the notion of, of living our lives as an audience of one. And I felt the Lord was just saying, let's try to like bridge the gap between actually those two teachings, Right? Because the key here is to live the life of a hero of faith is to live a life of being an audience of one, an audience of, he- of, of heaven. And so Esther is the whole notion of be a hero of faith, for you were born for such a time as this to live, to proclaim the gospel and to be a light unto the world. And I believe that uh, the power of releasing that is by understanding Misty's message of sacrificial love and being an audience of one. Or for one. So I really want to just kind of bring this together. And by doing that, let's open up to Revelation chapter 20, uh, verse 11. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. So what we have here is at the final judgment, right? When all is said and done, and the dead are raised, actually goes on to say the sea, even those people that were died out on the open water, it says that the sea released the dead. And so what's going to happen here is the final judgment. We forget about that. There's a final judgment for the lost and also for those that are us, saved. We go before him and praise the Lord that, you know, when he sees us, when the Father sees us in the throne room, he sees the blood of Jesus and our sins are gone, right? Not just forgiven, but gone. But there's also a judgment of how did you, in fact, live your life on earth? There's a book that is opened. The book of life. And what did your life tell the heavenly throne room? And I know, and I, I, you know, I go before the Lord, I'm like, man, when that day comes, I want it to be like, yeah, your movie, your book, your film was awesome to watch. And this is what I'm getting at here. All of us right now are living a movie. We're, we're, we're living a book that someone is reading. And there's an audience And the audience is not watching on 52-inch flat-screen plasma TV. He's watching from the throne room of heaven. He's looking at our lives. Right? The book of life. Your book is is opened at the end. And it's discussed. So, we go to the uh, the next slide here. You are living in a book or film that is being recorded in, in a way. And so I think it's very wise for us to kind of understand that and remember that. That, look, we have to give testament for what we've done on earth, how we've lived our life, the words we've spoken. And so I was just kind of going before the Lord, and the Lord has reminded me from English class. Anyone here like an English major or were into English back in the day, right? The plot summary. So some of you guys remember this. John, have you guys knocked that out yet? Mr. Streitel? 
Carl. <laughs> yeah, so this is plot summary. So every movie, every book, every piece of literature follows this kind of diagram. I want to explain it a little bit. What happens here is you start off uh, at the beginning of the book called the exposition. The exposition is essentially the setting to the story, the setting of the movie. Right? You've got to know where you are in time and place. And then what we have is what's called the rising action. It's like all the steps that are leading you to the climax of the book, the climax of the movie. Right? You're watching. The suspense is being built up. And then, pa-pow! You hit what the, the French call the raison d'etre, the reason of being, the climax of the movie. And after that climax happens, now we have what's called the denouement or the falling action where things start to line up and start to lead you to this, the end of the, of, the, of, of the movie, the play, the film, the book. A setting, a course of direction to the climax when the hero does something and then the steps to the end, the resolution. And so what, what I believe here is just like a book or a movie, our lives are largely built off of this. And so the Lord was just kind of walking me through this. Let me go to the next slide. What's our exposition? What's our setting? So here's the thing, man. Heaven is watching right now. And what's the setting? The setting takes place 20th century to 21st century America in a small town of, of, of Bristol in Bucks County. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus has come and died and was resurrected. Over the years, we saw in Christianity, there was a, there was a push for Christianity, and people were, were loving it, and people were going towards it. But then, since the age of science and reason and philosophy and the age of the world, there have been fewer people that are really standing on the promises of God. It seems in some circumstances, in certain corners of the world, that actually the enemy of God seems to almost be winning. But then, there's a town in Bristol where there's 50 people sitting there at the turn of the century in America, in the place of liberty and freedom, and there's difficulty happening in, the, in racism and in politics and all this kind of stuff. And this is the setting for the story. Go to the next slide. What happens here is we have the rising action of your life. You're born, you exist, you live. And essentially the rising action of our story is that you're living a life for yourself. We haven't reached that climax yet. You haven't reached that turning point in the story yet. Maybe you met Jesus, maybe you called him into your life, but you're still kind of, you know, living a life for yourself, going through your thing. You haven't really received the real call of like, what am I doing with my life? And we get to the climax. I hope every believer, or really I hope every person on planet Earth has a moment of climax when they meet Jesus. But I also hope and believe that if you only kind of met him, and you haven't seen his face yet, you know what I mean by seeing his face, like you're really being called out from him, from him right? Peter, you know, come, come. Follow me. If you haven't really heard him say, come follow me yet, I pray that you have that Jesus moment. Yes. That you really come to that point in your story where it's like, Jesus has said, come and follow me. I believe in you. There's a lot of believers who haven't really touched into that plate. So let me go to the next slide. There is a resolution. Now I'm skipping over the falling action on purpose to build a little suspense. You feel it? Not yet. I'm trying. Suspense. 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 Okay. 
The resolution of the story of it all. The resolution of the story of it all is that the kingdom of God comes to earth. Jesus <laughs> sets up his throne in Jerusalem, right? It's a thousand year reign, right? There's a judgment of, of man. There's a new heavens and a new earth. That's the end of the story. And that's really the end of all of our stories. We're called into the throne room and we have to give an account for our life. The scripture verse that I, uh, I read a little earlier is actually uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Matthew chapter 12, 36 to 37 says, We will be judged by every word that we speak. There is a great resolution to your movie, man. And God is watching it all unfold. And there comes an end. We have to give an account for your deeds, your actions, your heart. All of it. And this isn't to, to feel, make us feel guilty, but in fact, it's a way of like exposing the thrill of it all. The end of your story. Heaven looks at the beginning, the climax, the coming down. They look at the end. They see the fulfillment. They say, oh, what was your story like? What did you do? Because here's the thing. The resolution is coming. Jesus is coming. The kingdom of God is, is coming to earth. And so now our thing is, well, what part did we play in it? Right? What part of you had a part to play in it? And so if you take a look here, you actually see the, 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 the plot diagram is actually a roller coaster. You see the, the braces of the wooden roller coaster? So the climax is like, going up the roller coaster, going up, going up, going up, going up, going up. I met Jesus. This is unbelievable. And you go, you know, you're going down the, this is unbelievable. Your hair's like, you're like, oh, I just met Jesus. Check out this ride. That's what I'm talking about. Like, you meet Jesus, you're like, I met Jesus, cool. But if you really meet Jesus, it's like you're coming down this roller coaster, like, whoa, this is unbelievable. You don't want it to end, right? right? You just want it to be higher, and you're like, oh. That's what it means to meet Jesus, folks. That's what it means. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not speaking discouragement. You can meet Jesus on the kitty ride. You know that little, like, roller coaster they have at, like, uh, at uh, Knobles or, like, Sesame Place, where, like, your kid's like, Daddy, let's go on this roller coaster. You're like, yeah. Woo-woo. It's like... You know what I'm talking about, right? And when he's a parent, you know, go on that cheesy ride. Like, this is not exciting. There's a lot of believers who are on that kind of roller coaster. The roller coaster fed by the Spirit of God. The roller coaster ride that he wants to bring us on is so big, man. It is so awesome that you can't contain the joy, the love, the excitement in your life. But how do you get to that place? When you meet Jesus, I don't mean like I accepted Jesus into my heart. I mean I'm with him. I hear him. I know him. I've experienced the goodness of him in a whole new, deeper level than I have before. And so the resolution is not just that Jesus comes to earth. It's that the kingdom of God comes to earth. And it doesn't just have to happen in the future or in the near future. I'm talking now. God's promise to us is pray like this. Let your kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven. Not like one day, but that it would come now. And so part of the resolution of our stories, if we do die before the great and final day of the Lord, part of our story is how much of that kingdom were, were we able to bring down to earth? 
See, the resolution of our stories should be that when we leave this earth, there's more of the light that is on it than when we were born on this earth. The resolution of our life should be like, when we leave this earth, there's more salt, there's more anointing, there's more of the kingdom, there's more salvations. The kingdom has advanced because of my story and your story. And so in that resolution, when the kingdom of God comes, man, the power of the gospel goes forth. The lame shall walk. Souls are saved. Cancer is eradicated from bodies. Jesus comes. Not just physically, but spiritually to the place where you dwell. You change the kingdoms around you. You change the world around you. This is the story that, that they're looking at heaven like, I hope that's how the story ends when, by the time David leaves planet Earth. Like, you know, when you're watching a movie, you're like, I hope it ends this way. I really hope it just ends where, like, the good guy wins and all this kind of stuff. I think that heaven is looking at our life. He's like, that's the resolution that we have for Jeff Fisher. That's the resolution of the story that they have for Dave. All of us. Like, that's what we want the end to be. You remember, like, you're in junior high school, maybe some of you my age or younger, you, like, you could read the story, and it's like, if you want the character to do X, turn to page 127. And if you want the character to make this decision, now turn to page 115. There's like two stories. Anyone know what I'm talking about? All right, a couple of you. I feel like that's kind of like life when we get to that Jesus moment. You want a safe story with Jesus? When you kind of like come in all dressed up and smelling good on a Sunday morning, you smell like garbage the rest of the week, right? What kind of story? You want to just have like your cultural, normal, middle class Jesus? Then turn to page 115. If you want to go on the high rise, like the one where you have to like sign a document like you may actually die if you go on this ride, <laughs> turn to page, you know, 119. You know what I'm saying? The decision largely is ours. The call has been given to all, right? Amen. Amen. Many are called if few are chosen. Because to choose... You have to deliberately turn to that page of the story. I want to meet Jesus in a completely different way. I want this ride, man. And so now what we have here is, okay, so how do we do this? After the climax, how do we bring this down to this kind of resolution? And so this is where we get, you know, really Matthew 22. This is the key to unleashing this and to see the ending of your story being worthy to be recorded in the book of life. Oh, glory. Like, what allows the falling action of the story just to lead to the kingdom of God to come on earth in your lifetime in some way, some shape, some form? Yes. Jesus, I got time. Yeah, I got time. Matthew chapter, what did I say? 22. 22. 37. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the piece of really turning to the appropriate page of this book. There is a decision that I believe that is being called out that was released last week when Misty Edwards was here. Do you want... To live a life of sacrificial love. Do you really want to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength? Do you actually want that? Because if you do, 
you're going on one heck of a roller coaster ride. It is going to be intense, man. And you have to give up a lot for it. You gotta give up some of your desires, you have to give up some of your time, you have to give up some of your attention, some of your views of things. You have to say, Lord, I, I am willing to give it all. I'm willing to live a life of sacrificial love. You love me so much that you gave your son to die on my behalf. Lord, I want to return that, and I'm asking you to absorb my mind and my heart and my life and my strength. Everything I just wanted to be submitted to you. Are you willing to, to ask that? Are you willing to give that over to him? And I'm telling you, if you do, there will be an end to the story that is so magnificent because you will be leaving the earth in a better place than how you came into it. And a step much closer for the kingdom of heaven to come down. So, the next slide. Because right there is kind of a sermon. But we're going to just go a little bit more to kind of fill it out a little bit. Okay? I got, I, got, I, got, I got to preach a little longer because I didn't preach last week. Get, all right, all right. Get it out. <laughs> all right, next slide. It's a rainy day anyway. The eagles aren't on, right? Yeah. What time? Yeah. Jesus first. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Because the eagles don't have a hope without Jesus anyway, right? <laughs> Whether spiritually or physically. No. <laughs> now, football's cool, but the love of the Lord thy God with all your heart, your mind, and soul, your strength, man, come on. Bring the kingdom. Lord God, Holy Spirit, just come. Reside here so that we can be molded more into your image to go forward in the power of the gospel. Amen. Go to the, the next slide, Sharon, please. Sharon, can you go to the next slide, please? Oh, thank you. There it is. Sorry. <laughs> Alright, so uh, a little uh, little of the movie geeks out there, or literature geeks, uh, what we have here are different types of genres of film. Uh, this type is called, obviously, film noir. A, a dark film. It's a French genre. It's a genre of darkness. It's usually filmed in black and white. There is a level and heaviness of pessimism, a whole bunch of people smoking cigarettes and talking in dark corners. And what happens here is that a film noir film, all the time, like it can only be a dark film if the ending is dark. The hero dies. Classic film noir kind of, sort of, is Romeo and Juliet. Their love, their love, their love, and then they both tragically kill themselves. You're like, it's a type of movie that you watch and you're like, like it wasn't supposed to end like that. Like what just happened? You're like, no, that's not how it's supposed to end. Rewind it. Now, we must have missed something. You're like, no, this is, this is the end. Now, I poke fun at the French. I'm sorry if anyone is of French ancestry, but the French love this type of movie. The French made it popular. A darkness, a heaviness, a pessimism. Because it's not life. <laughs> the thing is, this type of genre of film does not work well with the American spirit. It doesn't. It simply does not connect well with most Americans. Uh, next slide, please. I don't tend to get political, but here is a very good quote by a past president, Ronald Reagan. 
He says, may all of you as Americans never forget your heroic origins. Never fail to seek divine guidance. Never lose your natural God-given optimism. America has stood out amongst other nations throughout the history of time because we had something that a lot of people didn't have, including the French. Something was birthed inside of us, and I believe it's totally the spirit of God of how the nation was founded. There's a spirit of optimism in this nation, or at least there used to be. Things will get better because we are exceptional. We've been called to be a city upon a hill, to be a light unto all the nations with some of the founding creeds of the Puritans in Massachusetts, Massachusetts Bay Colony. We shall be likened unto a new Jerusalem, be a light unto all of the earth. That's why they came to Massachusetts originally. And it gave a birth of optimism. Like, look, man, if you're an American, and he's talking about your heroic origins of like Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, never failed to seek the divine guidance of your natural God given optimism of an American. You know, go west, young man, and start a ranch and all this kind of stuff. Yeehaw! Like John Wayne. The French don't watch John Wayne. Americans watch John Wayne like, yeah. All right. (laughs) How much more so should this quote be for believers sanctified and redeemed by Jesus? Your heroic origins have been forged in eternity past. From the foundation of the earth, the Lamb of God has been slain for you. Talk about a heroic origin. You've been called to rise up. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And you're called to rise up and one day, at the end of the movie, you will stand on the new heavens and the new earth and you shall judge nations and peoples. That's our origins, man, and our future. You see, what happens is Americans really like a different genre. We don't like the film noir. We really don't, usually. We really like what we call the hero's journey. That's what Americans love. Hero's journey of Braveheart, Luke Skywalker, (laughs) The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings. That's what speaks to us. And so here's a, a quick little video to explain the hero's journey. Far better than I can. This is the Hollywood guidebook for heroes. You will learn the secret truth behind most blockbuster movies. They basically all follow the same 12 steps, also known as the hero's journey. Every hero's story starts off with some sort of nobody living in an ordinary world. But by following the right path, he will get a call to adventure. At first, he can't be too eager. He must refuse the call. Running away from his destiny, he will stumble upon a mysterious old guy who will turn out to be his mentor. Now he's ready to cross the threshold. Where he's going, he doesn't need roads. Of course, he will be tested, and he might need to win the game to gain new allies and enemies. He must overcome his fear by entering the inmost cave. Here, he will face his supreme ordeal, which will change his life forever. After defeating some bad guy, he'll receive his well-deserved reward. And because he can, he will be flying the road back. 
But before realizing there's no place like home, our apprentice must resurrect as a new person. Eventually, our hero will return to where he started, but things will never be the same again. This is what we call the hero's journey. So in literature, every great work of literature, whether it's a film or if it is the Bible, which is, you know, obviously not just literature, but it is literature, but it's not fictitious. I mean, it's true literature, right? Every blockbuster movie in the United States, I mean, everything from the Bible to Homer's Iliad to, to you name it, they have this principle. There's 12 steps known as the hero's journey. Americans love it. Like, we eat it up. And so I'm not going to talk about all 12 because we'll be here till next week. I'm going to hop on a couple. We go to the next slide. And if we can get the worship team to come on down, which is a cue that we got about 10 minutes left. You know how it rolls. The hero's journey. Rolls, get it, film. Oh, okay. All right. So the hero's journey. All right, one person. Didn't get it, but one person thought it was funny. That, that's cool. All right, we got two. Yes. All right. Here we go, right? So we got different stages, right? So the hero's journey is the one that Americans love. We love this story. This is like the Star Wars story. Luke Skywalker living this ordinary life on this desert planet. And it's like so boring and whatever. And it's meh. But then he gets a call. So the hero's journey that sells the blockbuster films that Americans love is you live an ordinary life. But then you're called out to a sense of adventure. But then you refuse because you're like, I'm not good enough. It can't be me. There must be someone else. But then you meet a mentor, someone who's been there, someone who's done it before, someone who's walked through it, and they call you out and say, no, you are the chosen one. You're chosen to go forward and do what you're called to do. So then that person, male or female, whatever the story is, they cross over that barrier, they cross into that place of their destiny. And say, all right, I'm going to do it. And you're like, oh, this is great. That's the rising action of the film. But then what happens here is usually every story, if you want to get a blockbuster hit, they, the, the, the hero isn't the hero yet. Because they get faced with, with you know, Mike Tyson in Rocky, chapter, in Rocky 3. I mean, Rocky Balboa is a classic example of this, right? South Philly has nothing going for him. Think about it, what I'm talking about. And he trains and he trains, he gets on there and he, he goes through the trials and he even loses. He's going all those rounds, you're like, no, Rocky's got to win. And then what happens, you're at one round, he just something, bah, he turns over, right? But he goes through the trial, he goes through the tribulation, he goes through the difficulty where it seems like there's no way. There simply is no way that the hero will arise out of a resurrection. But then what happens is he does arise, he comes out and comes into a place of victory and he defeats the bad guy. Ivan Drago of Rocky IV. Darth Vader of, Luke's, of, of Star Wars, right? Americans love this because it speaks to our spirit of optimism. It's been forged there by our ancestors who were calling on the name of the Lord. Now, if you go to the next slide here. Americans love, love certain parts to these steps. What we know is Americans love 1, 6, and 7. They love people coming from an ordinary life. They love that people go through, the hero goes through the trials and the tribulations. 
because it makes them show that they are in fact real. And they love when the hero rises up into victory. Now what's really kind of annoying here is that although Americans love, <laughs> although we love to watch those steps on the movie screen, we absolutely hate living inside it. We love watching it on the big screen. But when we're living it, we're like, this is so horrible. <laughs> but if you were watching on the screen, everyone in the cinema would be watching, saying, no, man, you're going through a, a trial and tribulation. Yeah, you're from a little town called, called Bristol where there's not many people living there really loving the Lord yet. But we see the ending of the movie. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that heaven is looking upon us and saying the same thing. You know the end of the story. It's going to happen. Hallelujah. And if you're going through the trial and you're going through the tribulation, it's all right. Arise out of the dirt. Because that is the story of heroes. It is the story of kings and queens and priests and priestesses. But we get hung up. Ah, just me? I'm living this ugh, podunk town and this podunk life? Yeah. That's what God likes to use. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish, ordinary things of the world to astound the wise. The hero has to be someone from a basic background because it astounds the enemy. It astounds the enemy. The trials, the tribulation, James chapter 1, know that you glory, glory, glory in all trials and tribulations, knowing that the testing of your faith shall produce perfection in you, being molded into the image of Christ, being transformed into hero from glory and glory until we see Christ Jesus, the resolution of the story, face to face. You see, so many of us are still stuck in a film noir. Too many of us are stuck in a dark, pessimistic movie. You've listened to the lies of the enemy. You said, ah, no, it's supposed to be pessimistic. It's supposed to be dark. It's supposed to be edgy. It's supposed to be an emo indie film. No. The book I read is a different one. It's a movie and a book that is full of optimism and hope and a future and blessing. It's a book that says you lived an ordinary life, but I've called you by the Spirit and the blood of Jesus to confound the wise and to defeat the enemies of the earth. Amen? Amen. you got to get yourselves out of the French film. There's no bad ending. Satan is defeated. He's not going to be defeated. He's defeated already. On the cross, Jesus cries out, It is finished. It's all finished, man. Sin, disease, sickness, it's gone when we follow the call of Jesus. As I was preparing for this, and this will make sense maybe, has anyone here seen Star Wars? Some of you have, so it makes sense. But I felt like, you know, the Lord speaks through art. The Lord was reminding me from a scene in Star Wars where, 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 where Luke Skywalker's like trying to figure it all out. And Yoda, the mentor, says the force is strong in this one. And I felt the Lord was saying that us, 
We here at Bristol, the force, the Holy Spirit is strong here. It is strong inside of you. And you need to awaken to that reality. You need to step out of the pessimism of the world, the pessimism of some churches to say that we live a defeated life and we just get by. And you need to step into the hero's journey of the Bible the Lord is calling you to, to live a life that is worthy to be received, written in the book of life. Because heaven is there looking down saying, oh, how is this film going to come? They know the ending they want. And now it's us will we choose. And I'm telling you, the key to unlocking this puzzle is to humbly go before the Lord and to say, Lord, I want to love you. I want to love you, Lord, with all of my heart. Father, I want to love you with all of my soul. And I want to love you with all of my mind. So guide me and graciously show me what needs to go so that I can believe that I am worthy of your love and that it's all about you. It's all about you. It's not about growing my piggy bank. It's not even about growing this church. It's about showing the Lord's name to be glorified and hallowed on planet Earth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't we rise?